Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Whiskey Sex Talk. I am your host, Romeo. He is a psychotherapist and clinical sexologist in private practice in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He has over 30 years' experience working with individuals and couples on matters related to sexuality and relationship. He is the author of The Sexual Integrity, Finding the Courage to Be Yourself. Colleagues and clients know him as a sexual integrity coach. Welcome, Dr. Stephen Davidson. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. Thank you for coming. So one of the rituals we have here before we get started is, can you please give us, just tell us about yourself? Well, I uh, knew that I wanted to be a psychotherapist when I graduated high school. And so that was my pursuit in college and graduate school. And then after I started practicing, I found myself working with men and women who were dealing with sexual issues in their relationships individually. And I realized, you know, we didn't cover this when I was in graduate school. And sadly, that's the, the case for uh, most therapists who are practicing today is that they, they don't get any training in sexology, which is the science of sex. And that prompted me to want to pursue certification as a sex therapist, uh, take continuing education courses, and ultimately go back and get my my doctorate degree in clinical sexology. Now, I'm going to just going to jump into this, but what is sexual integrity? What What is this all about? Well, integrity means that we walk or talk, that we tell the truth, that our actions are consistent with our words. And sexual integrity means the same thing, that we present ourselves as sexual beings in a way that's authentic and transparent. And it also means that we integrate our sexuality into our whole life. Uh, certainly here in the States, we have a lot of sexual oppression. Mm -hmm. And that causes people to have shame about things that is really very normal. And so people split off their sexuality. They, they uh, alienate it like it's an alter ego. And so when I work with clients, I help them go back in their life and reclaim those parts of their sexuality that they've dissociated or alienated, because that's where a lot of the sexual problems are happening for them individually, uh, their comfort with their own body, their comfort with their own sexual desires, and their satisfaction in their relationships. So I use the word, the phrase sexual integrity to represent just being transparent, telling the truth, owning your truth, but also leaning into who you are as a sexual being instead of trying to deny it or repress it. I can agree with that. Um, uh, there is this thing in America, right, that sex sells, but yet 
we as an in individuals where there is this kind of like shame that exists, or at least there's this kind of embarrassment, I want to say, when it comes to uh, sexuality, any everything, se sexual wellness in general. And um, I want to know the people that are coming to you and are ask and are seeking help. Uh, is there a specific age demographic, or is it is it men? Is it women? Is I know you men you, you work with couples, but is there a specific age group? There is not a specific age group. Uh, you know, I have clients that are in their early twenties. I have clients that are in their eighties. And this is an issue that is really relevant across our lifespan as adults. Uh, it's relevant also in adolescence, mm -hmm. too, you know, um, uh, which is so sad that in the States, we don't allow sex education in school systems. In fact, our politicians do everything they can to prevent it. And so we have young people coming into their sexuality at a time where they're really hungry for information. There are, are changes in their bodies. Uh, they are having thoughts they've never had before. And we continue to perpetuate this myth that their parents are going to right. give them information. Right. Yeah. Their parents don't. In over 35 years of practice, I can count on one hand how many people have come in and said, mom or dad sat down and had a discussion with me about sex. So, you know, uh, the books are really important. It's important that we have podcasts like yours that people can listen to and get some fact-based information. And as much as people talk about how they don't like pornography or how bad pornography is, pornography really is how most adolescents get their sex education. Which is terrible. they're not allowed to get it anywhere else. And that's terrible. You know, growing up, like I remember sixth grade, I, I can remember this and I'm, I'm old enough to say this. Um, bef actually, fifth grade, it was my sex ed class. And it wasn't even a sex ed class. That one class is just like, it, it was the class that kind of tells you like, okay, you're going to go through puberty. This is what you need to know. That was all I got from my public school education. And a lot of the things me learning and it's 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 so terrible because i want to say that a lot of the stuff that i learned was like you know sneaking into the living room at 10 o'clock and watching like love line let's be honest you don't want to get like that type of education from your parents it's kind of awkward maybe there's some parents out there and you know we say this in hebrew kola kavod like but really um and the shame builds from that. You don't know. And, you know, the only stuff that you that comes close to sex ed is the stuff that we've been taught, like, you know, like just the negative stuff. And we condition ourselves or at least we've been conditioned to oppress and feel guilty about it. There's this guilt people do experience when they're starting to really have ex start exploring sexually or I'm saying having sex like there's this guilt like you feel bad. I remember when that happened to me, um, you know, as a, as a young adult, like just having that guilt and not understanding it. And it's, it, it was just so confusing. And, and, and you sit on it and you, and you go through the state of depression and you go through the emotions and you don't really understand why you feel it. Cause there was no proper education, um, with, with like, Hey, this is all part of life. Like you're a sexual human being, like it's okay. Sexuality, you're supposed to feel good. Don't feel bad. 
and it's it was it was worse. And I don't know if things have changed. But I know that people are more aware, but the problem with awareness is that, like you said, it's coming from porn. It's terrible. Like <laughs> that's the expectations are so off. You know, people don't have sex like that. And not only that, just desensitizes you. You 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 depend on that on that high, and then you eventually come. You meet a person, you have that connection, and you don't understand why you're dissatisfied, and it's just because of what you've been kind of you've I don't know you've uh, what's the word here you've uh, desensitized yourself by watching porn. Um, what do you think is the correct way to approach this? Like, let's say, um, what's the wh- where do we go from here? Like, how, what's this? Not the solution, but what do you what do you suggest is like the correct uh, um, way to kind of educate yourself, let's say if you're, st- if you're young or just starting off in general? Yeah. Well, I think the key phrase that you just used is educate yourself. Because, uh, again, here in the States, there, there is no pathway to science-based sex education. Uh, in our school system, even in colleges and universities. Most colleges and universities don't offer uh, a single course in human sexuality, much less a, uh, the ability to get a, a graduate degree in it. So um, fortunately, young people today have access to the internet. And you know everything you read on the internet isn't necessarily true, mm-hmm. but it can give you information you can find other like-minded people. You can uh, ask questions and get answers to them. You can go down a rabbit hole on any topic related to sex and get a lot of information. And then weed through that to decide what can I agree with, what's really applicable to me, um, what can I identify with here. So, you know, what I have to remind myself when I get really frustrated with the status of our world today is I'm 63 years old. I found my way through this without the Internet uh, and, you know, living in rural Tennessee. So if I if I could do that and, and what I did back then when I got my driver's license at age 16, I drove to the nearest town that had a bookstore. We didn't even have a bookstore in the little town that I lived in. And I stood in the aisles of that bookstore and I read books. And many of them had information in them about human sexuality. Um, So, you know, I think young people today really do have to take the lead on getting their own sex education. And, And I see that happening. You know, young people today know so much more about sex right. than their yeah. parents do. The, <laughs> yeah. the 20-year-olds, they know terms. They know, um, uh, you know, different phrases. They know all kinds of information that their parents who are 20 years older have never heard and are absolutely clueless about. Once upon a time, we didn't have, like, information available to us as, as, as like, we do now. And the younger younger generation are more people are more informed now. And, and there's so much vastness, so much information out there. Now, I know you you work with men. Um, well, I, I, my clients are mostly men. And so uh, most of them identify as cisgender men. I do work with some trans men. And it's about 50-50 gay men versus men who identify as uh, straight or bi. 
Uh, I do also see women, but most of my female clients are the uh, girlfriend or partner or spouse of uh, a male client of mine. So I'm working with her because I'm I'm helping her husband or her boyfriend. I'm seeing right. them together. Yeah. Is there like a common thing that men tend to express to you when they come to you trying to seek help? Um, it, it really varies from one situation, from one client to the next. Uh, I think uh, many straight men feel a lot of pressure to make sure that their female partner is enjoying the sexual experience. You know, we hear stories that men are uh, not really respectful of women's sexuality. But when men come into my office, they talk about how important it is to them that she feels good during sex, that they want to make sure she's pleasured, that she's having a good time. Straight men also say that they wish the women in their lives desired them as much as he desires her. They sometimes feel very neglected in their sexual relationships because among straight people, there still is this expectation that sex is mostly about him, that he's supposed to initiate, that um, he's supposed to be in the active role and she's more in the passive role. That's not true across right. the board, but right. it's still a lot more prevalent than you would think it is when we look at how far we've come with women's rights and empowering women to enjoy their bodies and their sexuality. What are, I know that you work also, you also deal with, uh, they, you work with clients that have like sexual disorders, correct? And some are just, they're trying to really learn new ways to achieve more fulfilling, let's say sexual and intimate like relationships. Well, um, some of the more common sexual disorders or sexual dysfunctions that I see with, with men are erectile dysfunction or early ejaculation or, um, you know, inability to have an orgasm with a partner. And so I help men sort through that and, and try to figure out, is this a medical issue? Is it a psychological issue? Uh, sometimes it's, it's a relational issue. It happens with one partner, but it doesn't happen with all of them. Uh, it might also be a contextual problem. It happens under these conditions, but it doesn't happen under all conditions. And so I uh, spend a lot of time with men trying to sort through all that. And that's necessary in order to then decide what the treatment plan is going to be. Um, Because men and women, everybody doesn't have a lot of education about their bodies and their sexuality. I spend a lot of time trying to dispel myth Mm -hmm. and help people have realistic expectations about themselves, their partners, their relationships. So I do a lot of sex education. Some people are more open to changing their mind and having a different mindset and a different approach to that. And when they are, the therapy moves a little faster. But if I'm working with someone who may have um, a lot of religiosity, a lot of ingrained shame, Right. Um, you know, 
that there are other factors involved here that are barriers to them being able to open their mind to some other aspects of learning about their bodies and their sexuality. So it, it, it varies from one client to the next. And in therapy, we, we always say we start where the client is. Um, you know, it's not a one size fits all. I have to meet you uh, on this journey where you are at on the path. And then we, we walk from there and I will walk as far with that client as they will allow. And sometimes it's not a long walk down the path. And sometimes for people, it can take years for them to overcome the shame and the abuse that happened to them so early in life. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's tough because, you know, as, as, as guys or as, as men, like it's really one, it's, it's hard to come forward and say, Hey, I need help. Uh, I need help uh, to be a, a, you know, in, in, in this, uh, in sexual wellness, uh, because you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, there's this taboo that men are not supposed to seek help in this. Now, um, how different is this from, um, from psychotherapy, like your, your, your coaching and whatnot? Well, um, it is psychotherapy, uh, but it's, it's focused on sexuality. So, um, you know, I have the same ethics and, and laws to practice as a sex therapist right. as I do as a psychotherapist. Uh, so this is, this is a hands-off approach. It's talk therapy. Um, when I work with couples, I do make recommendations about things they can go home and do together. And so I provide a lot of instruction. I sometimes use uh, visual images as part of that education process. Uh, but it, it is psychotherapy, just focused on sexuality. And it's, you know, sex therapists are different from psychotherapists. We've had all the training that psychotherapists have, mm -hmm. but we've had that additional training about sexology that psychologists clinical social workers, mental health counselors don't get in their graduate training. Well, to piggyback on what you said, uh, you said you, you mentioned shame. Most of these men that are coming in or men that in general, like do they express like, Hey, or do, are they aware that there is this shame that they feel? Uh, they might not name it as shame, right? Uh, but they are very aware of it they are very aware that they don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel good about their sexual thoughts, their sexual behavior. They might not feel good about their body. Um, you know, a, a lot of men have body shame and uh, really people are, people are often surprised yeah. at that because, you know, we, we talk more about women having shame about their bodies but men have a lot of shame about their bodies as well. Um, and some of that comes from abuse or shaming that happened earlier in their life. But we are a society that more and more has standards for how men are supposed to look uh, and behave like we have always had for women. And so the images that we see uh, in the media in advertising of men are really kind of these Typical. superhero type bodies that's not really realistic for most of us. 
And so men now think, well, you know, I've got to try to look more like that. I've got to try to be more like that. And so that shame can come directly from an individual or it can come from a system like religion, or it can just come from the general society by your observation about how things are functioning in the world and what you see on social media. That's, I, you know, I did not know that men have that body, uh, their self. I mean, I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm very shocked by this revelation only because, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I really don't know what to say to that, but it's, it's definitely, um, this process can be very vulnerable. I could only imagine how, I mean, you have to really get really, uh, frank with, you know, talking to you and, and really addressing like, I could imagine how hard that is. Like if I'm coming to you and I need help and let's say, um, I don't know how to be intimate with somebody and, uh, it's hard that com- having that conversation is hard. What are, what are key things to, let's say if, if I am working on myself as an individual, how can I begin to start that process of repairing myself slowly to the point where I can, okay, like baby steps, but at the same point, like eventually I want to seek out, uh, you know, help. Well, you know, often when clients come in, I will ask them what their goal is for therapy. And frequently they will say, well, I just want to be normal. And the reality is they are a lot more normal than they think they are. Uh, and so I tell them, this is a safe place. It is fine for you to talk about anything you want to talk about here. It is not my job to shame you, to judge you. It's my job to help you and to educate you and to inform you. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid that you're going to offend me with your language or the things that you say or uh, the fantasies that you have, because sometimes clients are apologetic. Mm-hmm. They, they fear that they're going to tell me something I've never heard before. They fear that I'm going to be offended. They have had so much shame and rejection at other times in their life when uh, a secret about their sexuality got revealed, they are afraid that's going to happen again. And so I just try to help people relax so we can talk about the real issues that they're dealing with. You know, there's nothing new in the world of sex. Everything that we talk about today has always existed in every culture throughout the history of humankind. We might have understood it conceptually in different ways. We might have described it using different terminology. And so I will also say that to my clients. You know, this is how this was dealt with at other times in history. This is what other cultures have said about it. Some of your your beliefs, your opinions are related to the culture that you grew up in and the time period that Mm. you grew up in. But if you were growing up in this culture in another time, it might have been looked at very differently. Uh, And so this is why I think the science behind sexuality is so important. Most therapists, if they don't have training in sexology and they haven't really tried to educate themselves, Their only frame of reference is their own personal opinion because they have nothing else to draw on. And that's influenced by the culture they grew up in, 
their religious beliefs, their own shaming about their sexuality early in their life. So uh, I recommend a lot of different books for people. I send people articles. Uh, I do everything I can to educate them and help expand their mind around the subject of sexuality. When you uh, work with, you men, you were talking about heterosexual um, men. Uh, is there a difference when, with, uh, let's say, uh, bisexual or gay men when they come to you? Like, do they have a different set of issues? Is it something, is it different than, than straight issues? Um, I hope I'm making sense. Well, yes, I, I know where you're going with it. And some of the things that are unique to straight men is that uh, the pressure is on them to complete intercourse. So they have to have an erection. They have to have uh, an erection that lasts until the completion of intercourse. They have the expectation that their female partner will also achieve orgasm during intercourse, which rarely happens. Uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's an yeah, unrealistic that's, yeah. expectation. Uh, gay men, bisexual men uh, have more variations in the ways that they can enjoy their sexuality. So it, it, they're, they're less focused on penetration. They, they know, you know, there are some other things we can do here. And, you know, if you are a gay man and uh, you are experiencing erectile dysfunction, then you can bottom, <laughs> you know, and maybe you enjoy that as much as you would enjoy being a top. But for straight men, that's not an option. And gay men will find a way to stay connected with each other throughout a sexual experience. Whereas what often happens with straight couples is if he cannot achieve an erection, they just stop. They, they pull away. They disengage from the sexual experience. They don't continue to stay there and find another way that they can connect and relate sexually. Um, I often say to men, gay men and straight men, but more to straight men, about erectile dysfunction, that in 35 years of practice, I've never worked with a single lesbian who came in complaining about erectile dysfunction. Why do you think that is? Because lesbians know how to have sex and enjoy <laughs> sex without an erect penis anywhere in the room. I say that to men to try to help them understand that that is not the only thing they can bring to the sexual right. experience with a partner. There are other ways that you can enjoy your body, use your body to pleasure your partner. And if they don't know what those are and they can't figure them out, then I will give them some examples. Men in general, are they more open-minded to like trying to like variation or like experimenting or they're just like more, I know you mentioned it earlier that they're very like set on their ways, but like when it's introduced, like if you really want to improve your life and be happy, because I believe that if you're really sexually satisfied and happy, you're going to lead a happy life because, you know, sex exercise is a different form of exercise. 
Well, if you're talking about gender expression and the spectrum of sexual orientation, I find that all men are more aware of that spectrum today, and they're more uh, willing to entertain ideas about where they show up on that spectrum. Uh, so their minds are more open to that. So that's healthy. If, if, if we're talking about uh, straight men and how they enjoy sex with their straight female partners, anything that is not vaginal intercourse, they tend to see as foreplay. They, they often dismiss it as being sex. So things like oral sex, for example, they tend to think of that as foreplay. It's something that leads up to vaginal intercourse. They don't feel like they've really signed the contract <laughs> until, you know, uh, the penis has been inserted in the vagina and there has, uh, you know, orgasm has been achieved. So uh, those are really two different areas, how we think about uh, gender and sexual orientation on a spectrum versus how we think about the kind of activities we engage in with a particular partner. How much of this uh, does like mindfulness play into it? Because I feel like a lot of it, these issues that they're having kind of sent or revolve around just being mindful, you know, the intimidation, the feeling being, being cerebral about it and not really just be present. There's a human being, you know, in front of you, like naked, like, come on, like. Right. I'm going to bring you back to the title <laughs> of my book because I could have very easily named this sexual mindfulness, finding the courage to be yourself. Uh, mindfulness is extremely important. And that's what I'm trying to help my clients achieve nice. is let's just look at who you are and what you like. Let's look at what works for you and lean more into that and stop trying to strive to be something that really you don't even enjoy or it's not authentic or uh, it's not really who you want to be. So absolutely, I think mindfulness is a, a great way to explain this as the goal. And, you know, we're seeing this now, I think post-COVID, uh, um, we were challenged. <laughs> I think a, a lot of us were challenged in many ways and one of the things we're seeing now is people really genuinely want to be sexual. Like they, they want, they want to practice this like sexual mindfulness. I'm so glad that we have, there's doctors like you that really preach and talk about not, I mean, they talk about this, but really want to help individuals specifically for men, because it, it can be tough. Like, you know, men are conditioned to not complain and, and not, you know, you got to just work it through. You got to just, you know, either avoid it or just put it in the back of your mind. Don't worry about it. It's, you know, it's terrible. And when we do start talking about it, there's this kind of like, oh, you know, a shame on, on the vulnerability aspect of it. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? I have two websites. One is sexualintegritycoach.com. And the other is drstevendavidson.com. And Stephen is spelled with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N. Um, they both have links to my uh, Facebook page, mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, you know, other social media accounts. But the websites would be the, the best way, sexualintegritycoach.com 
or drstephendavidson.com. And where can they get your book? If, let's say, uh, someone like me or anybody wants to purchase your book, is it available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble? It's available on Amazon. You can also order it from Barnes & Noble, Walmart. Uh, uh, It's out there for wide distribution, meaning that it's available in bookstores, too. If it's not in the bookstore, the bookstore can order it for you. But quite frankly, today, most people order books from Amazon. And it's global. Okay, so there's global shipping behind it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's been selling in uh, the UK, Canada, the US, and Australia. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Davidson. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at whiskeysextalk at iCloud.com. Till next time.